Hello, welcome. My name is Steve Grissom. I'm the associate pastor here at South Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for listening and worshiping with us. Well, a buzzword that's been repeated often lately is uncertainty. There's uncertainty about schools, work, hobbies, you name it. Well, a word that I want to repeat during our next few moments is unity. Today, we're going to look at unity from John chapter 17. In John 17, Jesus emphasizes unity time and again. Unity is a virtue that businesses and families alike aspire to. While there can be unity on the surface at times, true unity reveals sacrifice and genuine love for one another. True unity is found in Christ. It's been said before, you can tie two cat's tails together and hang them over a clothesline. You may have union, but you do not have unity. Well, we find the beauty of unity here in John 17. It's often referred to as the high priestly prayer. Recently, a man in the church asked me if I could help him learn to pray. I was taken back by that thought because I'm learning how to pray myself. Well, we are learning and struggling together. Well, one of the ways we learn to pray, in fact, the primary way, is through reading scripture and praying God's word. Well, in John 17, we read a beautiful prayer, a bold prayer, a prayer from the Son of God, Jesus, our Redeemer. The chapter begins with these words. Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. These words of Jesus come right before he was betrayed by Judas and right before he would be tried and crucified. Jesus is not surprised by the events as they unfold, though. Earlier in the Gospel of John, he writes, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The work of Jesus is to carry out the word of God, and the prophecies are preparing us for this moment. As the conversation between the Son and the Father continues in John 17, we read the following words. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus Christ was sent so that we might know God. This is good news. Jesus Christ was sent so that we might believe in God. He is the centerpiece of the scriptures, and the prophets predicted his coming. Now he has come, and his death on the cross is imminent as he prays. So let's read together from John chapter 17. We're just going to look at the last few verses of the prayer. It's a short section. We're going to read from John 17, verses 20 through 26. Jesus prays, and he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, 
and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So in this section of Jesus' prayer, I want to highlight three main points. First, Jesus prays for you. This is no small thing. This is a huge truth that believers must cling to. Let's look at how Jesus prays for the people of God here and elsewhere in Scripture. Jesus tells us that he's not just praying for the disciples of the past, but he's praying for us today, we who believe in Jesus by faith. In Hebrews 7, the writer reminds us that Jesus is always praying for those who draw near to God through him. This is a shot of adrenaline for the soul. When you are focused and reading the word, Jesus is praying for you. When you are overwhelmed and ready to blow a fuse, Jesus is praying for you. When you are anxious, Jesus is praying for you. I can't stress how important this is. The precious Son of God is praying for you and for me. Just yesterday, someone told me how encouraged they were that someone was praying for them. How much more encouraging knowing that Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, is praying for you. Let me share just one more verse from Romans. Romans 8 verse 34 says this, Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That's a powerful reminder that Jesus is praying for you and for me. Second, I want to remind us that Jesus prays for unity. He prays for us and he also prays for unity. In verse 21, Jesus prays that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Now, I must admit that the language gets a bit tricky as we try to sort through the grammar. There's many pronouns, prepositions, and transitions in this prayer. It makes it hard to keep up. So let me summarize for us. Jesus is praying for those who would follow him to know him and to reflect a unity the world does not understand. A unity that seeks God above all else. Jesus' prayer for this type of unity shows the power of God in carrying out his plan. The truth is, unity is sought by many. Politicians promise unity. They promise that they can deliver it. Speechwriters believe that they can articulate it. But I believe that only Christians can truly demonstrate unity. When Christians are united to Christ, our union with him reflects the very presence of God. When the watching world sees this presence, it has an effect on the hearts of humanity. Jesus prays for unity among believers so that the world might believe. Well, what will the world believe? That Jesus has been sent by the Father, that he is the Messiah, that he was sent to save us. Jesus prayed that those who would believe on him would have a unity unbelievers could see and that they would be changed by. This is radical unity. It's divine unity because it reveals the very presence of God. Well, what other benefits are there to this world-changing unity? Well, let's continue in the passage. In verse 22, Jesus says, 
The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. So we see that glory is a benefit to the unity of being found in Christ. More on that in just a second. But in verse 23, Jesus prays for that unity, and he describes it a bit more. As Jesus prays for unity, he prays that this unity is experienced in such a way that the world will know Jesus was sent from God and that God's love is seen in their lives. This is a profound, radical unity. Do you see God's love through the work and ministry of Jesus? I see God's love towards me in so many ways, yet I still have so much to learn. God sees the ugliness of my sin, and yet he sent his son to die for me. I think about 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Let me encourage you with this word. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Reminds us of God's love. So first, we see that Jesus is praying for us. Second, we see that Jesus is praying for unity. And now third, Jesus is praying for the spread of God's name and glory. This is the last part of the prayer, verses 24 through 26. In verse 24, the prayer transitions a bit, and Jesus prays again for us. He says, Father, I desire that those you have given me will be with me. Jesus desires not only that we would be in him, but that we would be with him. What a sweet, sweet prayer. Jesus has a reason for us to be with him. It is so that we might see his glory, glory given by the Father, and this reveals the Father's eternal love. This prayer points us to and reminds us of the purifying work of God in the lives of believers. It points us to the preservation of believers and the completion of God. Obviously, currently, we are not with Jesus. But we anticipate a day when the church worldwide will be united and then believers will reside with Jesus and see him in all his glory and beauty. The beauty is that there is coming a day when the dazzling glory of Christ will be seen. Think on that for a second. The heavens declare the glory of God. We too will declare and partake in the glory of God. We will one day exalt and magnify Jesus Christ together forever. This is why Jesus prays for us to be united. But what about now? We proclaim the beauty of God's glory through the spread of his name. In studying the last few verses of this prayer in John, I was trying to pick up on key themes or key words. And one key word that kept popping off the page as I read was the word name in verse 26. While it's only mentioned once here in our section, it's highlighted on four different occasions in the prayer. In verse 6, verse 11, verse 12, and then in verse 26. So what is it that God wants us to know about his name here? Well, first, to know Jesus is to know God. Second, Jesus has revealed the character of God to us. And then third, Jesus reminds us of God's covenant to us, 
that he is with us. God is reminding us, as he has reminded his people in the past, that he is in our midst. And then fourth, Jesus teaches us that we are to continue making God's name known. This wasn't a one-time event from the past. We're to continue making God's name known. And then fifth, in sharing God's name, we share God's love. That's what we see in verse 26, right? We see that we are sharing God's love as we share God's name. The world is looking for love. The world is looking for good news. Recently, I was watching a new YouTube channel called Some Good News with John Krasinski. It was well done, and it brought laughter. But after I was done watching, I thought to myself, we have good news to share every day. So during this pandemic, we can become easily discouraged, easily distracted, and overwhelmed. While we may be social distancing right now, we must remember that the gospel is not quarantined. We have some good news to share. In fact, it's the very best news. So as the people of God, let's pray for unity as our unity is found in Jesus Christ. We see a special unity in Acts chapter 2 as the believers had all things in common. They were sacrificing for one another. They were serving one another. They were praying for one another. Let's pray for that type of unity. Let's pray for the spread of the gospel as we spread God's name together. So would you join me now as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross on our behalf. Thank you for continuing to pray for us. Unite us, we pray. Remind us of truth. Lead us in the truth. Teach us to make much of your name. Lord God, I pray for your people as we believe in you and are united to you through Christ. Even though we are not together physically, we are together through Jesus Christ. Because of our union with him, I pray. Amen. Mark chapter 15, verses 37 through 39. Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who was standing opposite him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, this man really was God's son.